Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Does anybody know what the forecast is for tomorrow? Anybody know? I think the paper said it's to be a little cooler than today, maybe high in the uh, 40s, maybe, something like that. Uh, rain stops, I think it'll be kind of cloudy. You know, meteorologists can predict with pretty good accuracy the weather one or two days out. Three or four days out, they're a little less accurate. A week out, you might as well flip a coin. America has the largest and most sophisticated intelligence agencies in the world. And yet their accuracy in predicting what will happen is not very good. Remember what our intelligence agencies said about the Russian invasion of Ukraine? It'll be over in a few days. And that's just one example of a litany of intelligence failures. And then there's the entire industry of political prognostication. These political pundits make a living out of telling us which party or which individuals will win the next election. Now, someone actually did a study of how accurate the pundits are, and it turns out they are only slightly more accurate than a band of dart-throwing chimpanzees. That's not kidding. Yogi Berra famously said, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. Socrates said this, wisdom is knowing what you do not know. And that applies to our gospel reading for this morning from Matthew 24, page 8 in your bulletin, verse 36. Let's read there. Our Lord says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Now that raises an interesting question. <laughs> if, if Jesus is truly God, shouldn't he be omniscient? Shouldn't he know everything? That's one of the attributes of God, after all. Omniscience, knowing all things. And that's true. And yet, as a man... We know that Jesus lays aside voluntarily his divine privileges. Voluntarily, he does not make use of his divine powers, except when someone appeals to him for help. But with respect to his own needs, he will not use those divine powers at all. That's why he submits himself to suffering and death, among other things. Voluntarily, he lays these privileges aside so that he might become one of us and suffer and die in our place. So Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, page nine in your bulletin. When it comes to the end times, all of us are agnostics. We're all agnostics. 
the day and the hour, letter A, is not only is it unknown, it's unknowable. And if even Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry was ignorant of the day of his return, how is it that so many false teachers today claim to know what Jesus didn't? Letter B, the day of the Lord is a separating day. Not only is it a surprising day, it's a separating day. Verse 40, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. That is to say, people who look so similar at work will be shown to be dramatically dissimilar on the last day. And notice that Jesus gives dignity to ordinary occupations. To prepare for the return of the Lord does not mean that you quit your day job and go up on a mountaintop awaiting the Lord's return. Preparation for the return of the Lord means that you remain at your post. You keep doing what you've been doing. Roman numeral two. Noah's generation is a warning to us. Verse 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were all unaware, until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now notice, Jesus is not accusing the human race of sexual immorality or murder or indecency with a minor or some other gross sin. Rather, he's accusing us of indifference, indifference to his word. Jesus is saying that when it comes to the things of God, we don't care a whole lot. We have other priorities. We're so busy living our lives that we have little interest in or little time for the giver of life himself. Letter A. Life, as usual, is characterized by indifference to the words of Jesus or a lack of interest in the words of Jesus. This is humanity's problem. One of the most surprising aspects of Christ's teaching on the last days is the normalcy of everything, the normalcy of the last days. It'll be business as usual. Now, people today miss that point because of all the false teaching out there concerning Revelation, the book of Revelation. Because of all the false teaching that exists out there concerning Revelation, people today think that the last days are going to be characterized by violence and mayhem and chaos. The truth is far different. The book of Revelation employs symbolic language to describe spiritual realities. Revelation describes spiritual warfare, spiritual mayhem, and spiritual chaos. And a more accurate understanding of what the last days are really like is given by Jesus in our gospel lesson for this morning. 
People are marrying. People are celebrating. People are so employed in their various pursuits that they have little or no time for Jesus and for his words. They're living their lives as if they will always have a tomorrow to repent. Now that, my friends, is unbelief. That is a lack of faith in Christ and in his words. Letter B. Therefore, we will all be surprised, but we will not all be ready. We will not all be ready. Verse 37, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Just the same. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. Now notice that. The flood came and took them away. They were taken. And notice the ones taken are the ones who are lost. They're the ones who are condemned. The ones who are left behind in the ark of Noah, they're the ones who are saved from the judgment. Verse 39, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, that means judgment, and one left, that's salvation. Two men will be grind, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken away, and one will be left. So let her see. Many will be taken in judgment, just as they were in Noah's day. And the false teachers who wrote the Left Behind series of books years ago teach that those who are taken away are the ones who are saved, and those who are left behind face the judgment. Jesus is teaching in this passage the exact opposite of that. Roman numeral three. Jesus is a thief. And he compares himself to a thief in verse 43. And he's a thief in this sense. He robs us of our spiritual apathy. He robs us of our spiritual indifference, our disregard of his word. He robs us of the false sense of security that we give ourselves when we think we always have another day to repent. And he instills in us a healthy fear. A healthy fear. My friends, the scripture teaches that it is possible for believers to fall away from the faith. St. Paul wrote these words to the Christians in Corinth. Let every man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul wrote that to Christians. And Jesus said to his followers, don't fear those who can kill the body and do nothing more. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. We can fall away from the faith. And if we do, we must repent while there is time and be restored to that faith by the grace of God. Verse 42, Jesus says, Therefore stay awake. You do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Letter A, to stay awake means not only to remain vigilant and expecting his return daily, but it also means remain at your post. 
Remain at your post and be aware of the danger that you're living in. The danger is that we will forget the Lord and his promised return. The danger is that we will choose to live today as if he's not coming back today. To live as if he's coming back today is to remain at your post, remain in your calling. That means if you're a husband, don't seek to not be a husband, remain in your calling as a husband. If you're a wife, remain in your calling as a wife. If you're a parent, keep parenting. If you're a child, keep obeying. Staying awake means that we're ever watchful for Christ's return. We're to live every day as if he's coming today. That's what it means to remain at your post. And don't make the mistake of the Millerites. They were false teachers back in the 19th century. They calculated the return of the Lord, as many have tried to do, and they came up with the date of October 22, 1844. Many of them quit their jobs, and they went to live on mountaintops to await the return of the Lord. Of course, the Lord did not return on October 22, 1844, and they referred to that as the great disappointment. But they ignored the warning of the Lord that no one can know the day or the hour of his return. So don't think that you can become more spiritual by abandoning your calling. Don't believe anyone who tries to convince you that they know better than Jesus when he's coming back. It is essential that you do not know the day or the hour because that is part of what it means to remain vigilant. Wisdom is knowing what you do not know. And what you do not know is just as necessary and as important as what you do know. Letter B. We stay awake and we become ready together. Together. The commands here in verses 42 and 44 are plural. They're spoken in the plural. Jesus is speaking to us not as individuals, but as a group. Verse 42, therefore, you all stay awake. You know, stay awake together, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, therefore, you all must be ready together, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That is to say, we stay awake together. We remain ready together. We encourage one another when we're together, not when we're apart. Letter C. Look daily to Christ who shows mercy before he comes in judgment. He shows mercy. Today is yet another day of mercy. Repent of the notion that the Lord's not coming back today and live as if he is. Martin Luther said, every Christian should live as if Jesus died this morning, he rose at noon, and he's coming back this evening. Because one of these days, that will be the case. Daily remember your baptism into Christ and remember the forgiveness that he pledged to you in that action of his. Claim the forgiveness that Jesus gives you in the absolution spoken by the minister in every divine service. Claim the forgiveness Jesus promises you 
in the Holy Supper of his body and blood. That's mercy. Today is a day of mercy, not a day of judgment. But the judgment is coming, and it's my job to remind you of that and to remind myself of the same. The return of the Lord will reveal what you are and what you're not. God has so arranged the return of his Son that no true believer will be lost and no false believer will be saved. The true believer is the one who knows what he does not know, the day, the hour of our Lord's return. To such a believer, what he does not know is just as necessary and as important as what he does know. And it is that lack of knowledge that guides the believer through each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.